Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are going to be mainly in the book of Ephesians at this session. And the subject that we're going to be looking at is revival praying. So let's go ahead and pray and we'll get right into the Word of God. Father, we're just so thankful today for your goodness, for your mercy, for your steadfast love, Father, that never fails. And Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We ask him to come alongside of us to help us both in the ministering of the word of God and the receiving of the word of God. And Father, we'll give you thanks and praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Well, we first have to ask ourselves the question, what is revival praying? Well, revival praying is consistent praying. It's intense praying. It's earnest praying. And all of this type of prayer stems from a hunger uh, for more of God and to see more of his work progress, not just individually, because that's where it starts. Revival praying begins in each of us, but not only us, but our local church, our community. You know, we foster and, and, and God initiates and, and, and we take it upon ourselves a hunger and a desire to see God's plan and purpose fulfilled in our life and our church. And when these things are lacking, it should grieve our heart and cause us to mourn and desire for these things to be changed and for God to move once again in his mighty power and in his grace. Hallelujah. This is what revival praying is. This is how it comes about. Amen. And I don't want anybody to, to think that it's an easy job because it's not. So we're going to begin in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. I want you to notice something that Paul wrote. And he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Notice that Paul said here, that we are to pray with all prayer. We could say it this way, praying always with all kinds of prayers because there are a variety of uh, kinds of prayer that we are to pray. And of course, you know, what kind of prayer we do pray depends upon the situation that we're praying about. If it's petitionary prayer, prayer for uh, something to be met, if it's supplication, uh, which is a deep groaning, uh, it's uh, akin to intercession, and a lot of times supplication and intercession are, are overlapping one another, but it's a, it's a cry. It's a deep desire. It's a heart groaning for something either to take place or something to be moved out of place, some type of change. And then there's the prayer of faith that is taking what God has promised and praying and receiving that in Jesus' name. You know, uh, Jesus said this, Therefore, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. That is the, the prayer of faith. And then uh, akin to the prayer of supplication is the prayer of intercession, where we actually take another's place. We're standing in the gap for that person or that situation, amen, and we take on the travail uh, that uh, is going to be required uh, for certain things to be moved Amen. Out of place or certain things to be moved into place. And then, of course, united prayer is when we have a group of people such like the the uh, 120 in the upper room, that they were all in one accord in one place. Um, that uh, that is united prayer. Everybody praying and going in the same direction. Amen. And God meets that and answers that prayer. 
But now the important thing is that uh, whatever prayer is called for, it must be prayed in the spirit. Notice once again, Paul said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Now, that's the Holy Spirit. That is not your spirit. That is not my spirit. That is the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Amen. Uh, whatever we pray, whatever prayer is called for, it must be prayed in the spirit, in the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us uh, to help us, uh, then God will begin working through our prayers because up until the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us, we don't know what to pray for and we don't know how to pray. You know, Paul said this about the Holy Spirit and he, that's God, that searches the hearts, knows what is the mind of the Spirit because it is the Holy Spirit that makes intercessions for us, for all saints, for the saints, Amen. According to the perfect will of God. So the Holy Spirit, he prays according to the perfect will of God. So that is so important for us that when we pray, amen, when we cry out and the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us, then we are going to get uh, an answer to that prayer. And I found that out uh, months ago when I was going through COVID. I was having a struggle. Uh, there was infection beginning to build in my lungs. And I had taken the therapeutics. I had taken the uh, monoclonal uh, treatment. And uh, but I understood that uh, I needed somebody to come alongside of me to help me to pray. Amen. Who had an anointing. And so I began to ask the Lord, Lord, please send me someone that prays with an anointing because I need help. I need you to help me. And lo and behold, a friend called that night and we prayed. And I'm telling you, the anointing of God fell. And from that very moment, I began to get better. And by the end and by the end of the month, that was the beginning of, of a certain month that we uh, my wife and I both contracted COVID. But by the end of the month, I was uh, almost fully uh, recovered. And so so that's uh, that is so important for us to understand uh, get somebody if if you're if you're praying and you don't sense the anointing, then you go find somebody that does and and praise and get them to help you praise God. And and, and through uh, through that type of situation, uh, the job will get done. Amen. Now, in other situations where we know we've got to be praying the will of God, well, how do we know uh, how to pray? According to the will of God. Well, we pray the word of God. The, the will of God is the word of God. So we pray the will of God by praying the word of God because God's word is his will. Amen. Praise God. So we always go to the word. Now, there's a lot in the word of God about revival. And see, we can take those passages out and we can begin to pray them. And begin to call on God. Amen. And point to the fact and put the Lord in remembrance of his word. Well, the demons know the word, too, but they don't believe it. But there's power in the word of God. Jesus proved that in the Mount of Temptation. Every time uh, Satan came to him. Now, Satan came to him in a frontal assault. I mean, the devil was intent upon taking the Lord Jesus out. 
But Jesus responded to his frontal assaults with, it is written. So the word of God has a powerful effect in our prayer life. So whatever it is that you need from God, whatever it is that you need, period, go to the word first. Find out what God's word has to say about that subject. Amen. And then you begin to pray that way. And in the midst of that praying, you pray the word and the Holy Spirit will back you up because the Holy Spirit, amen, uh, he hearkens to the word of God. Angels hearken unto the word of God. So that's that's very, very important. And there's another thing in revival praying that we need to see, and that is holiness and circumspection. Revival, when we begin to pray for revival, the first person that gets changed is us. <laughs> we begin to see things in our life that needed to be that need to be taken out, that need to be corrected, need to be straightened out. There may be some crooked things in our past that we haven't gotten straightened out. And the Holy Spirit always brings them to our remembrance. So holiness and circumspection is always important when we come uh, on the, upon the subject of revival praying. Uh, Job said this. He said, the island will be delivered by the cleanness of thy hands. So if we want revival, if we want men and women to begin to turn their hearts, maybe you're in a church uh, where people are leaving. And there's no particular reason why they're leaving. They're just leaving. Well, they're being drawn away. Um, some of them being drawn away by their own lust, but others, they're just being drawn away by distraction. You see, the devil is working. Well, how are you going to get that straightened out? Well, you've got to pray. Revival praying. Amen. Hallelujah. And first we, we examine ourselves. That's what Paul told us to do <clears throat> before we took communion. Let every man examine himself. So in prayer, we examine ourselves. Lord, what is it about us that I'm not experiencing revival? What is it about our church that we're not experiencing revival? Well, God is going to deal with us individually before he deals with the church. But I'm telling you, through holiness and through circumspection, God will begin to work. And through our hunger and desire to see things changed, things uh, subtracted or things added, amen, God will work through that. And now, how do I know that? Well, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 13 uh, down a ways. And now, Paul is writing to the Ephesian church. Now, the Ephesian church has experienced revival. I'm telling you, the experienced revival, Acts chapter 18. I mean, a tremendous revival, 18 and 19. Actually, uh, you know, chapter 19. God, uh, Paul experienced tremendous revival in Ephesus. And it wasn't easy. I mean, it took a lot of toil, a lot of uh, praying, a lot of working. But I'm telling you, Paul won out. And the, the church at Ephesians was born out of that revival. But notice what Paul, in writing to the Ephesian church now, uh, he says in chapter 4, beginning in verse 17, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth... Walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Now, he's, he's talking to, to, uh, uh, to believers that are uh, relatively new, believers in the faith. But he's telling them, you can't walk like you used to. Christians can't walk like they used to. And churches can't behave like they used to. If we really want revival, then we're going to have to change. And it's going to be the Lord that has to change us. Amen. But we have to be willing to do that. 
Now, the world changes, but there has to be a deeper work of the spirit. God has to deal with us and we have to deal with some of the things, amen, that uh, uh, that need to be um, brought out into the light and they need to be judged and they need to be put to death. So Paul says here, uh, he says, this I say, therefore, and testify on the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Now, and he describes uh, Gentiles who are not saved, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Now, if you look in there, you'll find uh, there's seven things that uh, that is an indictment against the unsaved world. But notice what Paul says here in verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ. Now, I'm going to stop right there. And I want to look at, at the two words there, learned Christ. It's one thing to know Christ. It's another thing to learn Christ. And learn Christ takes time. To know Christ takes just a moment of time. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. I mean, as quick as somebody can get born again, that's 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 coming to know Christ. But now it's another thing to learn Christ. Learning Christ takes time. It takes time in the word. It takes time in prayer. It takes time applying the things of the world. It's time having our mind transformed by the renewing of, of our mind. Amen. Being transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's Romans 12, 1 and 2. It takes uh, offering our body as a living sacrifice. And if we think we can do that overnight, we're mistaken. We must be subject to the constant dealings of the Holy Spirit in our life. And then in practicality, begin to learn Christ. Well, uh, you learn Christ through prayer. You learn Christ through applying the word of God and everyday life. You know, God, uh, uh, I, I tell you, I kind of I kind of uh, use this example that uh, that the Holy Spirit is a great chipper. You know, you take a whole branch, you throw it in a chipper and it, it grinds it up, makes sawdust out of it. Well, uh, the Holy Spirit's kind of like that chipper. I mean, he'll just chip off the rough edges. Amen. If if we're humble enough and teachable enough, amen, and submissive enough uh, to uh, uh, to yield ourselves to him. Uh, he'll bring us to that place and we'll come and we have learned Christ. Now, what Paul is saying to this Ephesian church, but you haven't learned Christ that way. See, this is a church on the move. This is a church coming to learn Christ, not just to know him, but to learn him. And then Paul goes on and says this, this so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Look at verse 20. If so be that you have heard him. Heard who? Heard Christ. Heard Christ through the teaching of the word of God. How many times do we listen to a message and then we leave, and then we leave after the message is, is uh, spoken or preached or teached and we have no earthly idea uh, what, what, the, uh, what the message is all about? Well, we haven't heard. See, we've got to find Christ in everything that we do. And every, pre every sermon that's preached, every prayer that's prayed, every scripture that's read, uh, we got to find Christ. That's how we hear him. Now, notice what else uh, Paul says. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, Christ, the Lord Jesus, will teach us 
through the Word of God and through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. He will teach us all things and bring all things to our remembrance whatsoever the Lord Jesus has said unto us. Now, Jesus was speaking to his disciples, but now the Word speaks to us. Amen. Because as true as the Word of God is, that's how true Jesus is. As the truth is in Jesus, there should never be a believer walking in this world, wondering in his mind, well, what is truth? We should already know what the truth is. The truth is in Jesus. Amen. And see, this type of activity, this type of exercise, Paul goes on in verse 20, 22, and he says that. Let's go back again. That ye have, but ye have not learned Christ. And we learn Christ by having heard him and having been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. So we're talking here about a revelation. We're talking about here conforming our will to the will of God that's in the word of God and that is by the unction of the Holy Spirit. That, verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Is there corruption in our country today? Is there corruption in our government today? Is there corruption in our churches today? Why is that? We're not learning Christ. We're not learning Christ. We're not hearing him through the word of God being preached. We're not being taught by him through practical exercise. You see, that's the only way we're going to know truth is to hear and to be taught. See, that is what enables us to put off the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And now Paul adds this in verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Renewing our mind, conforming our mind and will and emotions to that which is the will of God. And by doing that, by being, by hearing him, by being taught by him, by recognizing truth, the revelation of truth that's in the Lord Jesus Christ and putting off the former things. Now, we're talking about holiness and circumspection now in relation to revival praying. And verse 24 says that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. If we're born again, we have righteousness and true holiness in us because God is in us. Well, see, that which is on the inside of us needs to come outside and affect our entire being. And this is how, verse 25, notice this, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And be ye angry and sin not. We can be angry. We can be angry at unbelief. Jesus was. We can be angry at obstinate rebellion because Jesus was. Amen. We can be angry at sin. Jesus was. Remember how he drove out the merchandisers out of the temple and said, my temple is not is the house of prayer, but you've made it a den of wickedness. Yeah, we can be angry at these things, but we are not to be angry at somebody just because he told a lie on us. We don't, we don't get angry at that, and we don't get them back. We pray for them. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. 
Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hand the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. And let not corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You see, our actions can grieve the Holy Spirit and he'll, he'll stop working. We don't want that. We want him to be constantly at work in our heart and in our lives and in the life of our church and in our community. Praise God. But see, these things require us uh, to be renewed. They require us to put off the old man, come to that place where we're willing to put off the old man, put on the new. And when we do that, we're reaching spiritual maturity. And we do this by reading, by pondering, by studying the scriptures and by praying with all kinds of prayer and doing that in the spirit. Now, I want you to uh, listen to something that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, his second letter, chapter 12, verses 20 and 21. Notice what he says, for I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would, that I shall be found unto you such as you would not, lest there be. Notice this. These are Christians that Paul is writing to now. Lest there be debates. Are there debates in the churches today? Oh, absolutely. Envyings, wraths, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, tumults. But notice what Paul says here. And lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you. And that I shall bewail many which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. We see things going on in the church. We get mad and angry. And what do we do? We leave. Well, did God tell you to leave? Did God say leave? No, what he did say, he said this should humble us and cause us to get on our knees and begin to pray. Amen. And stand in the gap and supplicate until these things are changed. Maybe it requires certain people to have to, to leave the church. Maybe they're standing against like a wall, standing against the move of God. Well, prayer will find that out. Amen. We got to have the word of God in our church. Amen. Revival praying will restore the church to its former glory. But it takes a humbling for the church of God, the members of the church of God or that church particular to humble ourselves, to repent and then to begin to pray. And praying always, that's God's purpose. That's his purpose for you. That's his purpose for me. Matter of fact, uh, the ministry of prayer is every believer's ministry. Now, notice what Paul said in writing to the Philippians. He says, for I know what he's going through. He's in prison now. For I know this shall turn to my salvation through 
Number one, your prayers. And two, through the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. You may be listening to this broadcast and, and your church is getting ready to die. I mean, you're going through a church fight, going through things that, uh, that you never thought would happen. Your world has been turned upside down. Well, this will get it right side up. Get enough people together that are determined. We're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna cast this devil out of this church. And when I'm not talking about individuals, I'm talking about the real spirits. Uh, we're we're, we're going to remove this cloud of darkness that's over this ministry. And we're going to pray. And we're going to keep on praying. We're going to stay with it. Praise God. We're not going to quit. We're not going to be denied. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. And we're not taking no for an answer. This thing, this thing is not the will of God. And we're going to pray the will of God. Amen. And over time, it'll happen. But you can't just don't get mad and get up and leave. That, that's that's not right. You stay and pray. Stay and pray. Stay and pray. Humble yourself and pray. Well, that seems like I'm the only one praying. Well, that's the only one. The only person that God needs then is you. Get in there. Praise God. Dig your heels in. Don't give up. Amen. If you have to burn the midnight oil, then burn the midnight oil. Do whatever is necessary to get the church, your family, you individually on the right track. Now, Paul goes over in chapter six in verses 13 and 17. And uh, he says, this, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. Notice that you may be. The whole armor of God is required for us to be victorious and to make it through. And then he says, and having done all to stand, 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 therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is God's equipment given to each born again believer in order for them to enter into revival praying. Amen. This is our armor. When we go into prayer, this is what we have to have on. And this will restore the church. This will restore us individually and the church corporately. And we'll get the church back on the right track. It will also defeat all of the demonic powers that are just as determined for us not to have the very things that God wants us to have. Amen. Praise God. See, they're not going to be able to stand. So what is revival praying? Well, number one, revival praying is wrestling. Wrestling in fervent prayer. Getting through, amen, praise God, getting through the thicket out into the open, praise God. Now, revival praying is not easy and it's not cheap. It does require a lot of us. Maybe that's why so many aren't praying it. They want the easy way. There's no easy way. The way the old men of, of God got it is the same way we get it today. We pray and we wait. We're not the ones doing all the talking. We pray and we wait. We wait for the Lord to speak. And when we pray, we speak with earnest. And when we listen, we listen with meekness. And we never leave without a sense 
of having been heard and a note of victory. There's movement. We can tell it after we finish praying. We can tell there's been some movement. Praise God. We're going in the right direction. And in every mood and in every season of life, doesn't matter. We continue to pour our souls out, our soul and our spirit out until the spirit of God, until he comes alongside of us, until he takes hold together with us against the very thing that we're praying concerning. Amen. Against those forces that are just as determined, just as determined for us not to have it. That's how determined we have to be to have it. Praise God. Hallelujah. And we can't be afraid of the toil and the agony. I mean, there is a wrestling involved. And the reason why we can't be afraid and the reason why we endure is because there are blessings in the kingdom that are going to be yielded up to us. Amen. When we take these things by force, praise God. I hope this has helped you today. I know it certainly has helped me. Father, we bless you. We thank you today for your goodness. Oh, for your goodness and for your mercy, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for the great work that you're doing in your people today. And we give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rb. TC86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said, it is the Spirit who gives life.